You don't want to miss story time with Amy at the end of today's podcast, so stick around. Welcome to the God's Word Gives Hope podcast, where we are passionate about connecting His Word to your life. This podcast provides opportunities to further feed your soul or simply be replenished by listening. We are glad you're here. Welcome back to God's Word Gives Hope. I'm Amy. And I'm Janae. Today, we will look at the second part of our First Things First series, or what we've been referring to as the anti-worry formula. Yeah, do you think that we could package and sell this for um, this anti-worry formula? Like a biblical chill pill kind yeah. of? Yeah. I think that before we try to come up with our next bestseller, let's give an update to how your Thrive Third Thursday went this past week. <laughs> well, that was a turn. Um, first of all, The three T's is a bit much for me. I'm just getting all tangled up in that. So I have already decided to start calling it Thrive Thursday, even though it is once a month on the third Thursday. But it went really well. Each month, um, I will be covering some coaching tips on a particular topic, and then there will be time for question and answer at the end. And my goal is to keep it around 20 minutes, including that question and answer time. And I nailed it. It was 22 minutes this week. I think that sounds great. So um, I know this past week was like talking about crushing your goals. Can you give us a little sneak peek about next month's topic? Absolutely. Well, I'm not for sure how I'm going to do this topic in 15 minutes, but I'm calling it Tackling Boundaries. Hmm. And I'm going to offer three ways to start tackling those boundary issues that people may have. Yeah, 15 minutes is not going to cut it, but at least it will begin a conversation that maybe they can continue with you directly. So I know that this is free. The best way for the only way for them to get this is if they're signed up for your Thrive newsletter, you email them the link, correct? Correct. And all of that details, those are all in our show notes. Well, we've got a little something out of the ordinary happening soon for God's Word Gives Hope. Janae and I are getting to teach at an upcoming women's event. We don't get to do that very much, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but we love the opportunity to bring God's Word to you in a live setting. Not that I don't like and, you know, seeing Amy (laughs) sitting across from me all the time, but if you have a woman's group and would like to have one or both of us come and speak at your event, just email us at God's Word Gives Hope podcast at gmail.com or contact us through our website. We would love to have an opportunity to do that and spend that time with you in person. Yes, we would probably not get to wear the yoga pants that we both have on right now though. <laughs> and we will also not be wearing those to our event on March 1st here in Cartersville. It's the Replenish Women's event. Tickets are $10 and All of that information is at replenishwomen.com. And again, that link is also in our show notes. So let's get started for this week. Um, Again, we are talking about Matthew 6.33. And I I wish that I could look at all of you listening and go, did you see a bunch of 6.33s? Yeah, and then like a chat box or something, they could all chime in. (laughs) Yes. It's not the way this works. No, unfortunately. I'm going to be reading the verse from the Amplified Version this time. But first and most importantly, seek Amat, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. So last week we talked about aiming and striving after God's kingdom and what that means. So if you missed it, go back and check out episode 51. Also, remember that there's always corresponding blogs with each episode, and they read a lot like a devotional with reflective questions and additional scripture. They're a great use of your time. 
So last week we talked about how our verses are like smack in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount and nestled just so gently right in the topic of money and worry. So this week we are focusing on the anti-worry formula part that tells us we need to seek God's righteousness. You know, I think it actually feels a little confusing because if we are pursuing God's kingdom, aren't we automatically pursuing his righteousness? I don't know if someone's brain works like that, but doesn't it seem like his righteousness would fall under the kingdom umbrella, right? But yet Jesus separated the two for a reason, and we need to make sure that we are considering why he did. And last week when we were describing what seeking God's kingdom meant, We talked a little bit about the difference between having an empire mentality versus a kingdom mentality. So building on that analogy of how the two would play out differently in relationship to righteousness, an empire mentality is going to breed fear because if you don't get it right, there's punishment and it breeds performance and perfection and a need for Mm self-preservation. But having a kingdom mentality, the way God does it, it is based out of love. First John chapter four tells us that Christ's perfect love cast out all fear. And in second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21, it says, for our sake, God made the one who knew no sin to be sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So Christ fills in the gap between our imperfection and a perfect God. Jesus being our righteousness, he frees us then from this from performance and from perfection, fear of failure, not being good enough or not having enough financially. In God's kingdom, the king stood in our place. Unlike, you know, the empire kingdom is going, uh, the empire mentality is going to force heavy burdens and taxes and make you pay for it. But our king stood in our place and became our righteousness for us. When we seek his righteousness, then we are seeking what it means to live without fear of failure or punishment. Seeking his righteousness means we aim to live from a place of being loved. So then out of that place, his characteristics begin to bubble up with inside of us. And then we're able to see ourselves from a healthy standpoint and then love others also. Well, thanks for joining us today. I mean, like that, I feel like we could end the podcast. I mean, that is just so, it's rich and it's meaty and it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful reminder. There's a lot to unpack, but before we even get that far down the road, I just want to talk a little bit about how with this empire way of thinking, how do we accidentally fall into that? Because if we're a Christ follower and we're set free, um, we should be free from the fear of failure, the idea of performance. And yet we get entrapped so easily in those things and it keeps us from living freely. And I just, that idea of performance in order to earn a place, like I am so busy working hard because I have to make sure that my righteousness gets me there. I, I just feel like that's like the formation of my early church years of make sure all your boxes are checked and make sure that, that you've given Jesus your very best because if not, he doesn't like you. Right. <laughs> not like I want to, but just because I had to. I, the idea that Jesus earned 
my place and that I don't have to wear my righteousness. I put his on. It's laid across my shoulders. The pressure of his righteousness is pleasant and kind and soft, and it removes that unbearable weight that used to exist there. Yeah, yeah. The empire burden versus the burden being lifted in the kingdom way of doing things. Well, I relate to the entire empire list a little too much. Uh, Right now, though, um, I think the fear of failure is huge and it's always knocking at my door. Coaching has been a whirlwind of wonderfulness, (laughs) but also that unknown Right, I'm building something with God's help, of course. He's led me to do this. But still, there's so many pieces of unknown and where is this going and, and where is it going to end up? And then you have that financial piece, you know, tied into it because I went from a full-time, you know, like a, a paid position to now my, you know, the past year and a half salary, you know, that money's been very different for us. But I love the way this series is grabbing my attention to look at how my motivation needs to come from not just a kingdom mindset like we talked about last week, but now this week really challenges my heart to come from a place of being loved. So I'm not coming from a place of out of fear, but from a place of being loved. I don't want to live my life being afraid that I'm getting it wrong. Mm. That's so good. So we are given Christ's righteousness, and I think it's only fair to go, well, then what does what does righteousness mean? Because I don't know about you, but that's not like normal vernacular <laughs> in my life. I don't talk yeah. about the righteous Amy. Yes. Well, <laughs> Hannah, how was your righteousness at school today? Right, it's not right. a conversation. But so when you look it up in the Greek, it's in a broad sense, the state of a person who they ought to be, their righteousness, a condition that is acceptable to God. The doctrine concerning the way in which a man may attain a state approved of God, that all that's included in that are things like integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, of feeling, and of acting. Well, the definition really draws me back to the differences between an empire mentality and a kingdom mentality. The empire would be about law and legalism, you know, the getting it right part, but God's righteousness with love being at the core is gonna be demonstrated through grace. And in Romans chapter five, the contemporary English translation reads it this way, verse 20, And 21, the law came so that the full power of sin could be seen. So let me stop right there for a minute. So the law's purpose was to help us see how we can't do it on our own, really. Um, it does, it's, it's a roadmap of things of what, the way we should aspire, but it's, it's hard to do. We just can't do it on our own. So picking back up, um, yet where sin was powerful, God's gift of undeserved grace was even more powerful. Sin ruled by means of death, but God's gift of grace now rules, and God has accepted us because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, it's just beautiful. And you know, it makes me think, as we were thinking about this series, and I was studying the book of James recently, and in James 2.8, there's a verse that says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. And I thought the royal law. Yeah, that's- Like that's language that it's not normal. I thought, was that like like the royal, like the Romans, the royal law from back then? But no. So as I dug a little deeper into a commentary, 
the royal law is because the king who said it is King Jesus. It is royal because of his kingdom and it's loving others. So that piece of of what we talked about last week with loving others as a part of seeking God's kingdom, Mm -hmm. this just all flows together. We have this beautiful royal law we're to walk out and it's a good thing. Yes. It really does tie in to last week. And I just, you know, from that place of loving ourselves so that we can love others, you just see again that togetherness part coming and the righteousness part ties it together because it's how we are pursuing the kingdom in our actions of love towards one another, but also how we see ourselves. Well, let's get a little practical and look at ways we can seek or aim for God's righteousness. So to refresh our mind, I will reread the Amplified Version from of Matthew 6.33 again to get that right back on our mind. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness. His way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you as well. So fortunately for us, Jesus gave us lots of examples in his teaching of what was in the parentheses there explaining what the righteousness was, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. And there are a lot of things that we can extract from the Sermon on the Mount. And in the blog, there is a list. So go check that out this week. The list of ways um, we can pursue and aim his righteousness. And you know, the one that really kind of jumped to the top for me was having a humble heart, just making sure we're walking through life in a sense of humility of knowing our role and God's role or Jesus and what he did for us. Um, It covers things like people-pleasing part that I might struggle with, where I'm trying to seek the approval of others, and that's not being humble, really, you know? I should be really seeking God and his approval and not being overly concerned what others may think. I want to think about what he thinks. But then also on the flip side of that, pride plays a role in the root of thinking I could I could somehow be good enough to mm. do this on my own, mm. right? Um, and that I could somehow be successful without Christ. But the reality is a humble heart is gonna come to everything with the idea of knowing how reliant on him that we are and like a grateful heart that is um, reliant and appreciative of what he has done for us, continually remembering that everything I have accomplished today is because of him. Oh, I love that. You know, one that jumped out to me was just this idea of prayer and fasting. Again, probably probably because as we're recording this, we are in a season of prayer and fasting. Yeah, the twenty one days, yeah. But um, you know, Jesus addresses this twice in the Sermon on the Mount in chapters six and seven. And I just think that's just not a part of our normal lives anymore. Prayer and fasting was such a practice of the the Israelites and the people of God. And we are not a people who deny ourselves in order to reach a goal or reach, you know, the next stage of what we're pursuing. Now, it, in fact, our culture is the opposite Complete of that. opposite. But again, God's kingdom is always so upside down yeah. from the way that we live, especially here in America, um, but really anywhere. And so I just love this idea of it is important that as I pursue the righteousness of God and I pursue his kingdom, 
that I look at my life and there are things that I need to remove that is sometimes for a season and sometimes we'll remove something for a season and go, oh, wow, life is better this way. Not food, <laughs> just in case there's clarity, because fasting can- doesn't, it, it's mostly food talked about in the Bible, but that's also probably because they didn't have Facebook. So I feel like if they had Facebook, just would be like, cut off your social media <laughs> as a part of your fast. Right. Um, but it's not, the Bible's so clear. It's not if, it's when. And this season of fasting reminds me, this needs to be a part of the normal rhythms of my life. Yes, and it's hard to do. It's very hard. But in that, then we are, we are more positioned to focus and aim and pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. Mm. Well, the challenge for us this week is to learn to rest in God's love that he gave us his son who is our righteousness. And when we can rest in that, then the fear doesn't get to have a place, right? So listener, imagine a world where you have no worries of failure, no need to push for perfection or performance, no need to be anxious about whether you are good enough or whether that you're going to have enough financially. You can lean into seeking and aiming for his righteousness because we are called to do that. But at the end of the day, Jesus is our righteousness and it is on him that we stand. Mm. We have one more week of discussing Matthew 6.33 where we're gonna tie it all up in a bow. So we will talk and cover the epic results in your life when we do put first things first. But for now, at the beginning, I promise story time with Amy. So please just take a moment, settle yourself, um, calm your environment if you can, and just listen and think about where you see yourself in this kingdom. Once upon a time in a kingdom far away, there lived a great king. He was both the most powerful man in the kingdom as well as the kindest and gentlest man in the whole realm. The kingdom was known for its peace, harmony, and goodwill. Neighbors cherished one another and years would pass without a single crime being committed. One day, the chief servant of the merciful king came into the room with ill tidings. There's a thief in the realm of your kingdom, said the servant, and the king was astonished. Find that thief, and when you do bring him to me, he will be punished with 10 lashes. Those in the room were astonished as well. It had been so long since a crime had been committed. They could hardly imagine who would have done such a thing. A week went by and the servant again made his way to the throne room. I have bad news for you. The thief has not been found and he continues to rob from your people. In anger, the king raised his voice and said, find the thief. And when you do, he'll receive 25 lashes. The people began to murmur among themselves. Who could withstand such a punishment? Who could be possibly committing such a crime? As the time went on, the servant once again came into the throne room with yet another bad report. Your majesty, the thief has not been found. We have searched in vain for him. Your people are still being robbed. The king was enraged. Find that wretched thief. And when you do, this punishment will be 50 lashes. Now the people were filled with dread. They were not even sure the king himself could withstand such a punishment. And if he could not, then certainly no one else could. Who could be doing such a thing? Soon afterwards, the servant again approached the king in his throne room. His face was pale and his voice was timid and hollow. Your highness, he spoke, the thief has been found. 
Bring him to me this instant, cried the king. The crowd that had poured into the throne room slowly parted, revealing the thief who now stood trembling in the middle of the room. To the utter dismay of all, it was the king's aged mother. She stood trembling and crying. Her small and frail body was shaking with fear and shame. She was perhaps the very last soul that anyone would have suspected of such a crime. And there stood the king in shock, deeply wounded. The crowd began to wonder and murmur among themselves, what will the merciful king do? Will he set aside the law and display his love and mercy by forgiving his mother for her crimes? Or will he display his sovereignty and justice by giving her exactly what she deserved? Will he choose mercy or justice? The king raised his hand to quiet the crowd. Bring the whipping post, he said. The crowd was dumbfounded. Would the king truly have his mother receive such a punishment? Even the king could scarcely survive such a flogging. This frail woman would not even last a few strokes. The old woman was tied to the post, her garment rent, exposing her back to the whipmaster. Her ribs could be counted for her frailty. Administer the lashes, said the king, and not a sound could be heard as the whip was raised. But just as the whipmaster was about to unleash his first stroke, the king cried, Halt! The crowd sighed in utter relief, but the feeling did not last long. The king stood from his throne. He slowly removed the crown from his head, laying it upon the regal seat. As he began to walk down the stairs toward his mother, he laid aside his royal robe and his finely woven tunic. Coming to his mother, he wrapped his enormous body around her, completely enveloping her under his frame. The king spoke, now administer the lashes. Thus in one act did the king display pure mercy and perfect justice. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To go deeper with the blog, visit godswordgiveshope.com. For more information on coaching with Janae, visit janaeshatleycamp.com. And to partner with us to help make God's Word Gives Hope possible, visit our website and click the Give button. Thank you.